it is uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad that you guys were able to make it here. I'm sure some are out camping and and uh, recreating with their family and friends. Um, but the fact that we're able to gather here is largely due to the fact that there were men and women who went and served and fought and died to protect, to establish, to secure a country who valued the, the rights to be able to uh, have religious freedoms, to be able to meet together and worship together. And it was uh, founded on a, on a belief of a, of a great God who is above the laws of men and that we have freedoms and rights that come from God. And so uh, we're just blessed to be in this country. Um, I hope that you guys are all able tomorrow at some point to remember uh, and give thanks to God for those who gave their lives and, and for the blessings that this country has experienced so far. But for today, we're going to uh, continue on in our study. We're on part five of our study through the book of Philippians. And today we're going to be starting the last chapter, chapter 4. Last week, uh, in chapter 3, we looked at what it means to pattern our lives after those who are walking in faith and humility. Uh, we found three things that clearly differentiated uh, the, the Christian pattern of living and the world's pattern of living. We looked at how God is God and we are not, and God is, should be on, on the throne of our lives um, the second thing we looked at was that we should boast in him and not in ourselves. And thirdly, we recognize that this life is not the be-all, end-all. Uh, we live with joyful expectation that there is a returning Savior, that we have new bodies coming, um, and that we're going to live in a world that is going to be put completely in order by his great power. Uh, Philippians 3, 20 through 21 were those last verses that we read last week. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So that's where we left off last week. We are citizens of heaven, right? We're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this world that are full of chaos. We're not destined to forever be in decaying bodies. Um, we're not always going to be surrounded by the sin that causes all the pain and destruction that we see around us. We are citizens of heaven where Jesus Christ who is our Savior, who is mighty, who is full of love and grace. He lives, and he's going to come back for us. So chapter 4 starts with, Therefore, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. So if we need a reason to stay true to the Lord, we can go back and we can look at those last verses in chapter 3. We are citizens of heaven, and the King is coming soon. So stay True, keep following the pattern of the faithful and turn from the pattern of the world. The king is coming. Paul started uh, verse 1. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, some translations will say my beloved brethren. And he continues the verse with some more terms of endearment, endearment where he says, I love you and I long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. We saw when we looked at, the, at chapter 1 in Philippians, when he was giving his 
his thank yous and his greetings. He was using these same sort of um, terms of, of love and, and uh, relationship that he had with the Philippians. And, and so as he's kind of drawing towards the end of this book or this letter, uh, he's using these same words again. And he's, he's also kind of leading into a, a time where he's going to be addressing uh, some concerns he has with some individuals in Philippi. And I think he wants them to know that these instructions that are about to come are not uh, like out of some sort of legalistic, you know, you know, you have to follow the rules sort of mentality. This is coming from an attitude where, of love for them. Like he, he desires for them to experience the fullness of Christ. He, he doesn't want them to have disunity among them. So uh, he's about to put practical application to the things that he's been teaching through the last three chapters. Uh, Paul's relationship with the Philippians, as well as the other churches that he planted, were, were not. It wasn't just a job. He was he was on a mission, but it wasn't about quotas. It wasn't about statistics. Uh, it wasn't about how many converts he had as just another notch in his walking stick. Um, he loved them. They were his brothers and sisters, and and even after they got saved, he wanted them to live joy-filled lives. He wanted them to be flourishing. And, and he wanted them to be united with peace and love with one another. So he was ministering out of obedience to the Savior, um, a Savior that he was passionate about. And these believers, they were the result of his service. They were, they were the crown. They were the harvest for his labor. Just like a, a farmer in the spring plants seeds, he doesn't plant them because he loves to plant. He plants them because he wants the harvest. It's about the harvest at the end. So after he works hard um, and, and plants, he wants to re- receive a harvest. Paul saw each of them as part of the harvest for which he was suffering for, that he was working for. Um, they were the return on his investment, and that gave him a lot of joy. And, and even as they were continuing to grow, he wanted to continue to nurture them so that they would come into complete maturity. So it, it was in love for them that Paul continued in verse 2. He said, Now I appeal to you, Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. As some translations will say, um, be of the same mind. But it says, settle your disagreement, and I ask you, true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news they worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. So just a little background uh, on Paul and the women of Philippi. So back about 10 years ago, so the, the first time that they came to Philippi, um, Paul and Silas and Timothy were all together. And when they got to Philippi, um, they, went, they heard that there was people that met out by a river outside of town to pray. And so uh, one of the reasons for this was likely that uh, back then there was a rule or a law that if you didn't have at least 10 Jewish men in a city, you couldn't have a synagogue. And so there was likely not a huge Jewish population in the town, so they were, that's why they're all meeting out by the river. So Paul and his com- companions uh, went out to the river, and when they got there, they found a group of women gathering to pray. And they spoke to them, and, and one, of the, one of the women there was named Lydia, um, and, and as they were speaking, the Lord opened her heart to receive the good news, and, it's, and it said that she received it, and she was baptized along with all of her household. Um, and then immediately after that, that, Lydia offered to help them by offering them a place to stay. 
We don't know who all was included in Lydia's household, whether Syntyche or Yodia were, were part of, of her household or if they were just, or maybe they were other, maybe they're one of the other women there. Maybe they came along a little bit later. We're not, we're not really sure, but what we do know is that the church started with this group of women that had met to pray. It's possible that they were uh, in that group um, and then they started to work along with Clement uh, in sharing the gospel. So um, possibly 10 years ago, they first met and began serving Christ together, in, or at least somewhere along the lines, they, they served together alongside Paul. And now they find themselves in some sort of disagreement, something that's causing uh, a real division among them and, and it's probably affecting the body of believers as a whole. We don't know exactly what the issue was, um, some have kind of speculated that uh, it was something maybe trivial because Paul doesn't address any specific sin like right in this section that, that they were doing. Um, he doesn't give any sort of uh, doctrinal or theological you know, uh, instructions right here that, that suggests that it's, it's connected. So it's possible that this was just something small that grew into something bigger that, that became divisive enough that the church felt need to send word with their messenger, uh, Epaphroditus, uh, to go and tell Paul about. And Paul felt it was important enough from 800 miles away to write it in a letter that was going to be shared with the entire church. And so, so he addresses this situation. Um, like I said, he, this was a letter to the whole church. I don't know how you would feel if you were Yodia or Syntyche and, uh, and you're sitting, you know, sitting in, in church or, or maybe they're standing around, I don't know, but all of a sudden they get to, they're, they're excitedly listening to Paul's letter being read and they get to the part where their names get brought up and they, you know, maybe want to slump down in their chair a little bit or hide behind somebody um, so they're a little less visible. But, uh, but it was something that, that Paul felt was important to be addressed. So I'm, I'm sure nothing like this could ever happen with any of us. Uh, we would never let any sort of silly disagreements become a major uh, source of contention, right? I think we all know that, that that's not the case. We've all found ourselves in those situations. Uh, it can happen to any of us if we're not careful. Our emotions can be powerful <laughs> to, to influence us. Uh, and, and it can be hard for us to lay our pride down when we've kind of dug our feet in the sand and say, okay, maybe, maybe I've went a little too far on this. Um, Yodi and Syntyche were not bad people. They were, they were servants of God. They were, they were, they were, they were faithful. They were, they walked alongside Paul. Um, they, uh, they somehow though, let something that probably didn't need to become a big deal, become a big deal. Uh, a few years back, I had a situation where I, I had a little bit of a, a heated discussion with somebody that got a little bit too big. Uh, any guesses on where this discussion may have happened? Facebook. If anybody guessed Facebook, you, you would be correct. Uh, so anyway, we went back and forth. Um, you know, we both kind of wanted to win our side. It seemed like the, 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 the difference, the divide got bigger and bigger. And eventually it got to the point where I just decided, you know, what, if this is the kind of interaction that we're going to have on Facebook, I don't know if I really want to be <laughs> Facebook friends with you. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to end this. I'm going to un unfriend. We're just going to go our separate ways. And it just, it felt bad. It just didn't feel good. Like how could we as family not come to some sort of, you know, agreement to disagree, you know, to, to not take something that really wasn't, you know, it wasn't as big 
a deal is what we, what we let it grow into. It didn't need to divide us. So I had written down on a whiteboard in my office at home that, you know, I need to, I need to deal with this. I somehow I need to fix this situation because it, it just didn't sit well with me. And so uh, a while, uh, some time went by and I actually ran into her at uh, the Pierce County Fair, the great Pierce County get together. And, uh, I was walking through the animal barn and I saw her in there. And so I went up to her and talked to her and just kind of brought up the situation, apologized for my, my part in it. And we were able to hug and reconcile. And it was, it was kind of surprising to me how, how great that felt afterward. You know, like this wasn't somebody that I saw very often, but every time I thought of her, like it was just kind of just weighed on me. And it was just so great to like, to just clean up that relationship, to restore that, that, that relationship and, and to be able to put that behind us. And so, um, it's just a really powerful thing to do and, um, just worth it. It feels maybe awkward to begin with, but it's so worth it. Uh, Paul also knew what this was like. I'm sure, I'm sure many of you have experienced some sort of situation like this, but Paul also experienced this. He, uh, he started off his missionary travels with a guy named Barnabas. And right before they, they went on their, their missionary journey that led him to Philippi, they were making plans and uh, they were arguing over whether or not a guy named John Mark were, was going to come with them. And it, it, allowed, it, it became big enough, a sharp enough disagreement that they ended up parting ways. And so Paul ended up going with Silas and Barnabas ended up going with John Mark and they went their own direction. Uh, there's clues in, in Paul's future letters that says that he also was able to reconcile. They were able to, to reconcile with Barnabas, be able to reconcile with John Mark. But he no doubt learned from that experience that, you know, um, some things aren't worth the, the pain, you know, to be right about if it causes disunity and peace among uh, fellow believers in Christ. And so um, he's, he's speaking out of some experience as well, have, having had, you know, sharp disagreements with fellow believers. So as we read in uh, verse 2 and 3, there are three things uh, that I hear Paul saying that could be tools that we can use to overcome conflict, uh, to avoid conflict, and so we're going to look through these three things. One of them is to remember that we belong to the Lord. Secondly, be of the same mind. And thirdly, get help or be willing to receive help. So the three things we're going to look at. Um, the first one, belonging to the Lord, um, he says in this brief statement, he says, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Because you belong to the Lord. We're all citizens of heaven. We all, we're all on the same team. We all have the same faith. Uh, those who belong to the Lord, we've all experienced unmerited forgiveness, right? We've, we've all done worse things ourselves than whatever has been done to us. And so uh, in light of the undeserved forgiveness that we've received, we're instructed to forgive other people, forgive others when they do something against us. Now, this seems a little bit, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's a little bit easier said than done, right? Uh, it requires us to, to lay down our pride. It, it requires us to not demand our version of, of justice that we may want for the situation. It, it requires us to show love and grace. 
It may require us to stop and look at ourselves and figure out what did I do? You know, <laughs> what, what, what part in this did I play? Um, maybe it was just the fact that we allowed it to become bigger than it should have been, you know, fueling the fire by, by, by standing in pride and not saying, Hey, all right. You know, if that's what you think, that's fine. Um, we've all been there. Um, I've been there more times than I'd like to admit. I, I like, I, I'd like to think I've made some progress. I, I definitely am far less likely to get into any, uh, major, arguments on on Facebook if I do I remember that there's a there's a person on the other side of the screen it's not about this one argument sometimes um, we can forget that we can forget that the person uh, is more than just this one conversation and so uh, to remember that when you're talking to people it's not you know it's not about winning a debate the 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 crown the joy in the crown is the person. It's, it's the person being nurtured and this person being possibly even brought to Christ. So if we can have that attitude when we're talking to them, uh, then we don't run into the situation where we, we have this divide because we're acting out of love. Like Paul started this, this section talking about how much he loves them. So he's not, he's not the victory isn't as important as, as lovingly steering, you know. So especially, I think, as, uh, as fellow Christians, we have to remember that we are part of a family. The, the verse ends with, uh, says that, it says, whose names are written in the book of life. So everyone who is in the book of life is a child of God. We're all children of God. That makes us all part of a family. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about, it uses a kind of an analogy of the human body and what the family is supposed to be like. It talks about how, if, uh, how, the human, how, we, how one part is used to care for another part. It talks about how if one part is hurting, that, that the rest of it helps out. If, if you have something in your, you know, if there's something in your eye, your hand doesn't say, huh, glad it's not me. You know, your, your hand is used to help remove that thing for your eye, from your eye. Now, if your hand is talking to you, you may have other issues, but, <laughs> but the body is meant to care for itself. Uh, you know, we're supposed to care, care for the rest of the body. Ephesians 4, 2 through 4 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit binding yourself together with peace for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. This, uh, that part about making allowances for one another is, is just such a key. I think, um, none of us is perfect. And as much as we might not like to admit it, we're not always right. And when we're not right, we very much appreciate it when other people don't make a big deal about it, when they don't rub in the fact that we weren't right. When we make a, when we make a mistake, we, we like it when people kind of overlook our faults. And so it, it kind of really comes back to the simplicity of the golden rule, right? Do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. Right? We, we, we don't want people to be, you know, critiquing every little piece of of our lives, every mistake that we, we've made. And so let's make allowances for other people. Let's say they can make a mistake too and, and we can forgive them. 
So the first tool is that uh, we recognize that the person that we are disagreeing with belongs to Christ. They're part of the body of Christ. We're united with them in Christ. And then we're, we're going to choose to love them because they're part of the same body. You know, like we don't hate part of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get so angry with my hand. I'm going to cut it off. Like we're part of the same body. We're united. Um, the second tool that he brings up is that we're to be of the same mind. Uh, the New King James Version of verse 2 says, I implore you, Yodia, and I implore you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. So this, this idea of being of the same mind, this is not a new encouragement in this letter. And this is actually just applying a teaching that he's been talking about throughout the whole, the whole book. Uh, if we look back, we can find this in every chapter that we've looked at. Back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. For spiritually mature, agree on these things. Philippians 2.2 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. And Philippians 1, 20, verse 27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the, gospel, of the good news of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. In that uh, last verse, at the very beginning, it starts with the words, above all you must, above all you must live as citizens of, of heaven. And included in what it means to live as citizens of heaven is that we need to be of the same mind, that we have to have one purpose, one, one spirit. Um, does that mean that we will never disagree? No, that, won't, we, that, that can't happen. We will, we will we'll have our disagreements, but we don't have to be offended. We don't have to let it become something huge. We don't have to let something trivial grow into some disagreement that will cause us to walk away from one another. We can be in one mind and one purpose. As we read earlier, uh, we need to make allowances for one another. We don't have to take it personally. So uh, when I heard the word allowance, it makes me think of my, refer sometimes back to my previous job where I was building machinery and we got a bunch of different parts and they all had to kind of fit together to work. Um, but there were allowances or tolerances for the different parts. Um, things that would identify how far off they can be from perfect and still be usable. Um, this is a crucial aspect to being in production. If everything had to be absolutely perfect, it would, production would have came to a halt. Like you, there's, there's always going to be something that's just not quite exact. You're going to be off by some thousandths of an inch or something. Um, but we had, to, um, we had to have those allowances. Uh, perfection was just unachievable in some cases or it would have taken so much time that it wouldn't have been worth it. So sometimes things were even outside of the, the actual documented tolerances and we'd have to decide whether or not we could still use that part. And so we would look at uh, three different things. We looked at the fit, the form, and the function. It was, was how we looked at the parts. So the, the, the fit, does it, does it bolt on? Does it, do the holes line up? Is it going to assemble to whatever we're building? Uh, form, 
Does it, does it look right? Is it made out of the right material? Uh, and function, is it going to do what it's supposed to do? If I bolt this on, is the machine still going to work? So uh, simply put, is the difference big enough that, that it's going to cause this machine to not work and to not do what it's supposed to do? Uh, is it going to keep us from, from making a quality piece of machinery? So, so this, this is kind of the question that we need to ask ourselves when we run into disagreements or conflicts with somebody else. We have to ask, you know, as a child of God and as part of the body of, of the church, uh, is this disagreement, is this something that is worth dividing over? Is this something worth dividing over? Is this something that is going to, to uh, cause us to not be able to accomplish the purposes and plans that God has called us to? I mean, there are cases where, where the answer may be yes. There may be something that, that, that somebody is, is so far off and unwilling to, to, to come back in line with what the, what the Word of God teaches that there may be reason to disagree uh, to the point where, where you need to part ways. But in most cases, you know, the things that we can find ourselves fighting over and what likely is what's happening with Sintika and Yodia was it was just something small that they, that they dug their feet in that they shouldn't have, you know, they, sh- they should have had a little bit of grace and a little bit of tolerance for one another and said, hey, this isn't worth dividing over. This isn't worth uh, causing disunity in the body over. Oops. Proverbs uh, eighteen nineteen says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. So Paul is saying that uh, sometimes <laughs> these disagreements can get so bad that you might actually need some help to fix it. I don't think anybody's ever broken into a fortified city without some assistance. Um, but uh, how does it get to that point? How does our disagreement turn into an offense and our offense into an argument? Oftentimes, uh, we don't make allowances for one another. That's how it gets big, because we haven't made an allowance for each other. Our desire to have our way and have our form of justice without offering any grace can be fuel that just feeds the fire, that just makes the small disagreement get bigger. Proverbs twenty six twenty one says, fire without wood and quarrels... Um, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. We don't have to be quarrelsome people. We don't don't have to. Uh, In fact, we're told that we're not supposed to be. Uh, When we look back at chapter 1, it said, You must live as citizens of heaven. You must conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Last week, we looked at the the pattern that Paul displayed and the other people who worked with him, that ministered with him, the pattern that they displayed. And it was mostly a a pattern of faith and humility was kind of the, the major picture that we saw. We need to have humility. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. Pride leads to conflict, but being humble enough, you, you, can't, you can't really receive advice very well if you're not humble. 
right? I mean, you have to admit that you need the advice. So being humble enough to accept the advice makes you wise. Humility is required. Sometimes uh, we need advice in order to keep us out of conflict. Sometimes we need advice to get us out of conflict. So that kind of brings us to this third tool, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So the third tool that is given to us, uh, actually, I'm going to just repeat here. So the first tool was recognizing that a person is part of the body of Christ. They belong to Christ. We belong to Christ. That means that we have to operate as citizens of heaven, um, conduct ourselves in that way. It also means that we should see them as Christ sees them, as as part of the family. Uh, The second thing is that we should be of the same mind. We don't want to let little things divide us. And third, we need to uh, get help or receive help. And for those who are surrounding those who are having conflict, uh, we need to be willing to offer help. But uh, Philippians verse 3 says, And I ask you, and I ask you, true partner, to help these two women. I ask you, true, I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. So this isn't directly telling Syntyche and Yodia that they need to be willing to receive help, but the verses just prior to this were directed directly at them that they need to let go of this disagreement. They need to come to the same mind in this situation. And so it's kind of intuitive that if Paul is saying, you know, to somebody else, hey, go help them, that they should be willing to receive the help, right? And so um, I'm sure that they recognize that, that Paul's request meant that they, they need counsel and they should receive counsel. So Paul is saying to the one who's in conflict, let somebody help you. Let, let somebody help build a bridge for you. Get some, get some advice. Be willing to take some advice. It, it may be that neither person on either side of the conflict is, is ready to listen to the other person, but maybe if there's somebody in the middle that they both know has their best interests in mind, it can help kind of soften the ground to restore that relationship. Like we read before, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. It may be that we need to call in some reinforcements. Um, and if, if you happen to be the one that is on the outside of this, this argument, that, that you feel you're being called in to offer some help, what are the things that we should bring? You know, what, what is the wisdom the, that we should bring as advice? And I think we can go right back to tool one and tool two. We need to remind them that their primary identity is not Yodia and Syntyche, that their primary identity is somebody who belongs to the Lord. They're both precious in his eyes. They're both valuable in his eyes. Um, Yodia needs to remember that of Syntyche. Syntyche needs to remember that of Yodia. Um, both of them are loved by the Lord, and they need to treat each other that way. As somebody, like if, if we're dedicated to, we're devoted to the Lord, then we should treat each other the way the, the Lord would want us to treat each other. The second thing was that this isn't a suggestion. You must, you must treat each other that way. Um, we, uh, must conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So, um, I, I, I love that I have, so this is true of all kids, but I love that I have kids that, that, uh, 
behave poorly sometimes. Right? So this is not a specific depiction of my kids, um, but it's a de- depiction of all kids. And if we're all to be honest, it's really a depiction of all adults as well. Sometimes we, we behave poorly. Um, but, uh, but when you have kids that are behaving poorly in front of you and you're the parent, um, you get kind of a mini picture of what God is dealing with when he deals with us. And, and it kind of plays out in a way that you can kind of gain some understanding so Tanya and I have certain expectations for our kids and how they treat each other, how they talk to one another. And so sometimes they act in a way that is unacceptable from what we've taught them. And so, uh, for example, we might tell them, hey, you need to take that thing, give it back to your brother or sister, and then ask for it nicely rather than ripping it out of their hands. And then, and then if, 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 you, if it doesn't work out and you feel like there's a conflict arising, Come and get some help. So that's, I mean, we, we see this play out over and over at home. Um, so uh, God has set, oh, actually, I was going to say as our, so, so we have these rules for our kids for how they should conduct themselves. And if they act in the way that we've taught them, things will go well with them, right? And so God has also set specific rules for conduct of how we should live um, as citizens, as those who belong to the Lord, we should conduct ourselves in a certain way, and if we follow them, we'll have peace with one another. So the first tool was to remember that we all belong to the Lord. Um, both parties are part of, part of the body of Christ. We love them. We should love them. We should, we should act in love towards them. We made the decision to love them as we made a decision to love love Christ, to love God, that, that as a child we're choosing, we're also going to love his people. Um, second, we're going to be of the same mind. We're not going to let little things divide us. We're not going to let things that aren't worth dividing over become these gigantic things that cause division. And third, we're going to be willing to receive help when we need help. Be willing to take advice when we need advice, either to resolve a conflict or to keep us from getting into one. God is a God of unity, right? Yes. He, he, I mean, he desires the whole world to be united in one with him. And so we've, we've taken the, the first step and we've, 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 we've accepted Christ and we've become united as a, as a body of believers. And one day uh, Jesus is going to come back and we're going to be united with the whole history of believers. And, uh, and we're going to be one family together forever. And so we have this great hope to look forward to. Um, this, this thing that uh, when we're trying to decide, you know, whether we're going to be true to the Lord, we can look back at and say, you know, look at what God has done for us. Look at what he is, his promises are for us for the future and, and be united together in that one hope and that one faith and, and as one family. Before we sing, I'm just going to um, offer a prayer uh, that we could remain in unity. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that you came to restore. Uh, there's, there's, sin can cause divisions in our life. Um, they can cause us to, uh, to be separated. Um, we saw this through human history. When sin entered the world, there's great division. It causes wars. It causes issues between uh, people and families. Lord, but um, 
you came to create a, a unity that 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 goes beyond even family relationships, that goes beyond cultures, it goes beyond any divides that we may have within our human race. Lord, you came to bring a way for us to be united together with you, to be one with you in in Christ, and that we can also be one with each other through our relationship with Christ. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to, uh, to remember that we belong to you, that we've made a commitment to you, um, and that we want to love as you love. We want to uh, share in the same attitude that you have. We want to offer the same grace and forgiveness that you offered us. We pray that you would help change our hearts, Lord. Help us to be people who are humble, people who make allowances for each other, knowing that we all have our issues. We all have things that we're working on, things that we are, um, we are growing in so that we can become more and more like the image of you. Lord, help us to have grace for one another and help us be drawn together in love that we as a body of believers would have such great love for one another that when people of the world look in at us and they see our love, that they'll be drawn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 15, 5 through 6 says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and bringing glory to God. Amen.